0: Welcome to Path of a Green Witch Podcast. My name is Andrea, and in this episode, I'm going to talk about nutritive herbs and ARFID in adults. ARFID stands for Avoidant Restrictive Food Intake Disorder. I mentioned this disorder in a previous episode, and at the end of this episode, I want to give a little more information about what it is and the types of treatment that are available. Nutritive herbs are basically herbs that have nutritional value. Nutritive herbs provide nutrition in the form of protein, protein, carbohydrates, fats, vitamins, and minerals. These things are essential for general nutrition and good health. In this episode, I'm going to discuss some vitamins and minerals such as vitamin A or beta carotene, vitamin C, calcium, iron, magnesium, potassium, iodine, and silica. I am also going to list some herbs that have high amounts of these nutrients, and in a future episode, I'm going to give more information about the benefits of some common nutritive herbs and superfoods. I will also share a few recipes that incorporate those herbs. The statements I make on this podcast are for educational purposes only. My statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. Therefore, The statements I make are not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All of the information I share is simply for informational purposes only. You should always consult with a licensed healthcare professional before you start taking a new vitamin, supplement, medicinal herb, or conventional medication. You should also get professional advice before you start a new exercise program or if you suspect that you might have a health problem. Knowledge is power. I hope you use the information I share with you to seek the best care for yourself and the people you love. Thank you for listening. Your diet should provide you with all of the nutrition that you need, but there are various reasons why people become deficient in certain nutrients. Sometimes we just aren't eating enough, and sometimes we aren't eating the right things. Nutritive herbs can bridge the gap between diet and dietary supplements. They provide concentrated nutrition in a whole foods package. The nutrients in a nutritive herb will be most potent and most easily absorbed if you eat the herb. That's why I'm going to share a few recipes that incorporate the whole herb, whether it's fresh, dry, or powdered, so look out for those recipes in a future episode. You can incorporate nutritive herbs into everything from broths, soups, stews, casseroles, smoothies, and stir fries. You can also consume nutritive herbs in the form of teas. Teas do an okay job of extracting nutrients from herbs, and nutritive herbs can actually be added to almost any tea blend. Superinfused teas are steeped for at least 4 hours or up to overnight, and this concentrates the nutrients that are extracted. extracted. Unfortunately, though, minerals are difficult to extract from herbs regardless of the method of processing. It can be difficult for your body to absorb minerals from herbs, especially if you have poor digestion. So this means that you might need a much larger dose to get the same effect if you have poor digestion. There are recipes like super infusions, decoctions, broths, smoothies, and pestos that can offer a substantial dose of minerals. Standard infusions and herbal vinegars don't provide as much of a mineral dose as super infusions and other recipes and tincturing won't extract minerals from herbs at all so the best way to get the most out of your nutritive herbs is to eat the herbs in their whole form a tonic is a term that is used to refer to herbs that are known for their relative safety and for the various positive effects that they can have on your overall health nutritive herbs are basically tonics because they support your overall health by improving the function of one or more systems in your body. And just like tonics, nutritive herbs are usually safe with few or no side effects. They also tend to be multifaceted, meaning one herb can provide several different nutrients as well as other health benefits. A single nutritive herb can serve as a tonic for more than just one system. Incorporating nutritive herbs into your daily diet might result in many improvements in your overall health. You might notice things like that you're in a better mood and you have more energy, more vibrant skin, stronger bones, shiny hair, and harder nails, and that your body is more efficient at detoxification. You might even have a better functioning immune system if you incorporate nutritive herbs into your daily diet. These changes would be especially noticeable if you happen to be deficient in certain nutrients and then you start incorporating those nutrients in your diet with the appropriate herbs. Here's a short list of some common. Common nutritive herbs that I am going to mention in this episode, and in a future episode, I will discuss these herbs in more detail. Nettle, horsetail, oats and oat straw, raspberry leaf, seaweed, rose hips, dandelion leaf and root, alfalfa, red clover blossoms, calendula flowers, violet leaf, alaria, goji berry, hibiscus flower, kelp, burdock root, marshmallow root, yellow dock root, cacao or cocoa, dulcie, and unrefined rice. If you want more information about marshmallow root, Listen to episode 48. Episode 43 has lots of information about the medicinal benefits of dandelion, and episode 44 has dandelion recipes and medicinal preparations. Before I get into the nutrients and nutritive herbs, I want to give you a little bit of information about seaweed. In the list of common nutritive herbs I just mentioned, kelp, alaria, and dulse are common types of seaweeds. Other popular seaweeds include nori wakame bladderwrack and hijiki seaweed isn't a single plant The term seaweed actually refers to a broad class of sea vegetables that are rich in minerals like calcium, iodine, and selenium. Depending on the species, seaweed can also be a good source of beta-carotene, iron, B vitamins, and fiber. Brown seaweeds like kelp and bladderwrack contain therapeutic doses of iodine. The high doses of iodine can help prevent hypothyroid disease and other iodine deficiency disorders. It might also help protect against radiation exposure. Bladder rack contains fucoxanthin, which is a carotenoid that is used as a weight loss aid because of its fat burning potential. Brown seaweed like kelp and bladder rack also contains sodium alginate, which binds to heavy metals and other compounds, making brown seaweeds potentially beneficial for detoxification. If you have hypertension or salt sensitivity, you may want to limit seaweed in your diet it is pretty high in sodium, but it may be useful to use seaweed as a salt substitute because it contains much less sodium than actual salt and it has a better balance of other minerals. Excess amounts of iodine from seaweed can cause hyperthyroid toxicity, so limit brown seaweed intake if you have an overactive thyroid. Any added iodine intake can be dangerous if you have hyperthyroid disease, and brown seaweed is particularly high in iodine. Here are the nutrients that your body needs and the nutritive herbs that have high levels of these nutrients. First is vitamin A or beta-carotene. Vitamin A is an essential micronutrient and beta-carotene is a precursor of vitamin A. Both vitamin A and beta-carotene are fat-soluble. Vitamin A and beta-carotene support vision and eye health. They also support immune function, red blood cell production, healthy lubrication of the mucous membranes, and they function as an antioxidant. Severe deficiency of vitamin A causes blindness. The following herbs contain high levels of vitamin A or beta-carotene. Violet leaf, alaria, calendula, which has mixed carotenoids, and goji berry, which is rich in zeaxanthin. Zeaxanthin is one of the most common carotenoids in nature. It is the pigment that gives paprika, corn, saffron, wolfberries, and many other plants and microbes, their characteristic color. Next is vitamin C. Vitamin C strengthens your immune system. It increases resistance to infections and cancer, and it also reduces histamine in allergies and colds. Vitamin C serves as an antioxidant. It supports eye health, cardiovascular health, energy production, and connective tissue integrity. Deficiency in vitamin C can cause scurvy, which causes Connective tissue to disintegrate. The following herbs contain high levels of vitamin C rose hips, alfalfa, raspberry leaf, violet leaf, goji berry, and hibiscus flower. Next is calcium. Calcium promotes bone formation when it's combined with vitamin D and weight bearing exercise. Calcium also maintains electrolyte balance, alkaline acid balance, and blood pressure balance. It also helps regulate muscle contraction, helps prevent kidney stones and colorectal cancer. Deficiency in calcium can cause osteoporosis, which is bone loss, and it can also cause dental problems. The following herbs contain high levels of calcium. Nettle leaf, kelp, horsetail, alfalfa, oat straw, dandelion leaf, red clover flower, raspberry leaf, and alaria. Next is iron. Iron enriches blood cells with hemoglobin, which improves oxygen transport and energy levels. Deficiency in iron results in anemia, which is characterized by pale skin, fatigue, depression, anxiety, and heart and breathing issues. The following herbs contain high levels of iron. Dandelion leaf, dandelion root, chickweed, burdock root, yellow dock root, horsetail, marshmallow root, raspberry leaf, and oat straw. Next is magnesium magnesium. Magnesium supports energy, metabolism, cardiovascular health. It helps regulate muscle relaxation, nerve function, and blood pressure. Magnesium also promotes bone formation and helps prevent migraines. Mild magnesium deficiency can cause muscle cramps and tension. The following herbs contain high levels of magnesium. Oat straw, kelp, nettle leaf, burdock root, alfalfa, horsetail, cacao or cocoa, and red clover flower. Next is potassium. Potassium works with sodium to maintain fluid balance. It acts as an enzyme cofactor and supports the cardiovascular system. It also prevents kidney stones, promotes bone formation, and regulates blood pressure. Potassium deficiency can cause electrolyte imbalance, fatigue, muscle cramps, intestinal issues, and cardiovascular issues. Potassium deficiency can actually be fatal in extreme cases. The following herbs contain high levels of potassium. Oat straw, dulce, alaria, dandelion root, dandelion leaf, nettle leaf, alfalfa, red clover flower, horsetail, and goji berry. Next is iodine. Iodine supports thyroid function primarily, but it also supports immune function. Iodine deficiency results in hypothyroid disease. The symptoms of hypothyroid disease include fatigue, weight gain, goiter, depression, and sensitivity to cold. The following herbs contain high levels of iodine, kelp, dulce, and aleria. If you notice, those three are all seaweeds, and seaweeds are known for having high levels of iodine. Last is silica. Silica contributes to healthy hair, skin, nails, bones, and it helps maintain the elasticity and strength of connective tissue. Silica deficiency can cause brittle, rigid nails and poor skin and hair health. The following herbs contain high levels of silica. Unrefined rice, horsetail, oat straw, and nettle leaf. Nutritive herbs are a great way to address mild nutrient deficiencies. Digestive problems and eating disorders can lead to malnutrition. I mentioned ARFID in a previous episode, and I want to give a better explanation of what it is. Unfortunately, ARFID is not just a disorder of childhood. Avoidant restrictive food intake disorder, commonly known as ARFID, is an eating disorder that's characterized by the persistent refusal to eat specific foods or the refusal to eat any type of food due to a negative response from certain foods' colors, textures, or smells. People with ARFID might refuse to eat out of fear of becoming sick or fear of choking on the food. This disorder is not characterized by the obsession with body shape or weight, it is simply due Due to the disinterest and avoidance of foods. ARFID can result in excessive and unhealthy weight loss and malnutrition, which can then lead to the need for a feeding tube. The Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders 5th Edition, or DSM 5, recognizes avoidant restrictive food intake disorder as an eating disorder that is clinically distinct from both anorexia nervosa and bulimia nervosa. It most commonly occurs occurs in children and was once considered a disorder of childhood and infancy, but it is now known that ARFID in adults can occur. ARFID is becoming increasingly common in adults with the increase in specialized diet trends such as vegan diets, gluten-free diets, alternative fasting, and other well-known, popular diets that eliminate one or more food groups from the diet. ARFID in adults is characterized by having a small range of foods that are acceptable, sometimes less than 20 foods. People with ARFID might refuse to try new foods, or they report higher rates of texture and sensory issues with food. Picky eating due to weight restriction or dieting is known to lead to ARFID in adults. Picky eating in adults has also been associated with higher rates of depression and obsessive compulsive disorders, and A lower quality of life. But ARFID is more than just picky eating. It's distinguished by a refusal to try something new, and therefore, it's much more extreme and clinically concerning than simply being a boring eater. The extreme phobia of trying new foods results in individuals having a very selective diet, which can lead to health concerns. People with ARFID do not eat enough to meet their energy and nutritional needs. But unlike people with anorexia nervosa, people with ARFID do not worry about their weight or shape and therefore they don't restrict their diet for that reason. Also, ARFID does not typically emerge after a history of normal eating, whereas anorexia nervosa and bulimia nervosa both usually transpire after an individual has had normal eating patterns. Individuals with ARFID usually have had restrictive eating all along, even if their picky patterns weren't easily noticeable. The onset of ARFID most often occurs during childhood. Most adults with ARFID seem to have had similar symptoms since childhood. But if ARFID starts in adolescence or adulthood, it most often involves a negative food-related experience such as choking or vomiting. There are four categories of ARFID, avoidant, aversive, restrictive, and mixed. Avoidant individuals refuse food based on negative or fear-based experiences such as choking, nausea, vomiting, or pain from swallowing. Aversive individuals accept only limited foods based on sensory features. They may have a sensory processing disorder. Restrictive individuals are those who do not eat enough and show little interest in eating. They may be picky, distractible, and forgetful, and sometimes they wish they would eat more. The mixed type includes features of more than one of the other three, avoidant, aversive, and restrictive. Individuals with mixed type ARFID usually present with features of one category first, but then they acquire additional features from another type. Sometimes it's referred to as ARFID+. With ARFID+, People usually present with one type of ARFID, but then they start to develop characteristics of anorexia nervosa, weight and shape concern, negative body image, or avoidance of more calorically dense foods. It starts out as ARFID and develops into ARFID plus anorexia, basically. ARFID can be difficult to diagnose or even recognize because a lot of times people think they're just looking at a picky eater, but if the individual is losing weight or if there's a child that's not gaining weight properly, this is concerning and it's worth discussing with a healthcare professional. There are treatment options available for ARFID in children and adults. The following are therapy approaches that are used to treat ARFID. Cognitive behavioral therapy, dialectical behavioral therapy, interpersonal therapy, family therapy, and exposure therapy. Seeking treatment for ARFID can be challenging because there are are so many different treatment centers with like so many different treatment options but it is important to address this issue ultimately my goal in sharing this information is to help us all understand how to achieve better health like I stated in a previous episode, ARFID is something that I struggle with and something that I recognized in at least one of my children. I think my daughter had the aversive type of ARFID where individuals accept only limited foods based on sensory features. They may have a sensory processing disorder. So I mentioned that my daughter was diagnosed as being on the spectrum and they actually specify said that she had a sensory processing issue. I am even more convinced that she had aversive ARFID. I remember she had a list of maybe three or four foods that she would eat. They were yogurt, bananas, and there was one more thing and I can't remember it right now. I think it was like yogurt, bananas, and milk and that was it. It was like anything that she had to chew too much, she was not interested in. Another thing, her sensory issues, weren't just with food. She had issues with other things like textures and things that would touch her. I remember one day she completely lost it because she was wearing sandals and I took the kids to the park and she could feel the grass touching her feet through the sandals and it just it was too much for her. She would also do this really high-pitched scream and she tended to do that when there was like sensory overload. So if I took her to the grocery store that was just too Overwhelming or like going out to eat at a restaurant. I think it was just like too many things going on around her. I can relate to all of that, honestly, even as an adult. Obviously, I've found ways to cope, but I definitely saw myself in my daughter and in the things that she struggled with. I hope this information helps someone because sometimes you recognize that something is different in a child, but you don't really know what you should do about it. So in this case, I recommend that you talk about it with your pediatrician. If it's a food issue, RFID or something like that, then it's important to try to talk to a nutritionist because they can offer some really good suggestions on making sure that your child is getting the right nutrition. My daughter was not for a while and we had to supplement with certain things. And then also you just want to make sure they're getting enough calories to grow their brain development relies on having enough calories. This is a really serious issue especially for children but these things can persist into adulthood and sometimes with like these diet fads and stuff like that people can actually develop a restrictive avoidant type of diet preference. So it's important to keep in mind that these things can get out of control and you want to be careful with that as an adult but you also want to recognize signs in children and make sure they're getting the help they need. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you found this informative.